0: How do big ideas move from inspiration into action? How do other people's dreams not get stuck, but instead get nudged into becoming? What is the secret? How do you master that movement? Or can it be mastered? What if that is the one realm that doesn't actually need mastery? I'm James Witt, someone who passes as a guy with loads of motivation and follow through. But here's the truth no amount of intrinsic motivation is ever enough to nudge me into action. There's always someone else. And that's exactly what we explore here, the who else. I hope that in hearing these stories, you'll begin to open your heart to the reality that just like my guests have mattered to me, you too matter in someone else's unfolding. Welcome to the backwards journey from action to the roots of inspiration. I believe that nature is the easiest avenue for helping kids learn how to believe in themselves, how to achieve regulation for their nervous systems, and even to begin to love themselves. I am so stoked to be spending my morning talking about nature and kids and outreach to underserved populations with my friend Amanda Fong. Amanda is the Community Engagement Supervisor for the Three Rivers Park District, which is a sprawling park system that has numerous nature centers and trails open to the public for free all across and around the Twin Cities metro area in Minnesota. In the seven years that I have known Amanda, she has been in this role. And in that time, I've watched an incredible shift in the racial and cultural diversity of people getting outdoors, Comfortably immersing themselves in the uplifting and fun nature-based programming that her team and others in the park district provide. And most importantly to me and why Amanda has been invited on this show is because of the programming experiences that she has helped me deliver to the little human that I've worked with in the past. And in those experiences, I have witnessed the faces of stressed, worried sleepy children just change, light up, fall into curiosity and play and emotional safety in the caring and intriguing outdoor learning environment that An- Amanda helps create. So Amanda, welcome to Tracing Inspiration.
1: Thank you. Thanks for that lovely intro. That was really nice too.
0: <laughs> well, I've lost count of how many different field trips and outings and experiences that we have talked about, gone on, collaborated, I have lost dollar count amount of the scholarships and grants that you've helped me get for kids over the years. And I think we might have known each other for even longer than what I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Um, But nonetheless, uh, this series of experiences that we shared that really stands out to me uh, was 2017, the girls adventure camp. Yeah. So I know that you remember
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a very memorable in all the, in all the ways. <laughs> but
0: I'm curious what, what stands out to you?
1: I, I can go through all the phases of that. It stands out as memorable mm. as you and I went out for coffee and started to explore how we might collaborate and what that would look like. And the, the kinds of opportunities you were hoping to bring to your students and, and getting excited about like putting together some, a grant proposal for that. And, um, and then I, and then getting to the stage of now starting to put the plans in motion and figure out where we wanted to go. Um, but more so, the I feel like that entire time I couldn't believe the things that you were putting out there to make that camp happen. Of like putting together lunches for everyone and like calling the families and showing, oh my I goodness. We
0: like were you, oh,
1: incredible. That like that would not have happened with the, the, the depth of um, engagement and commitment you put to making that happen of like those building those relationships with, with families from our like opening dinner of having families coming out to yeah. Silverwood park and do that bonfire. And those kids were catching fish with, you know, I can't even remember how they caught that fish. <laughs> um, but and then continuing to to connect and pick up in the morning and make sure the food was there and the processing. I mean, I remember the girls, their their faces, like you said, throughout the experience. I remember talking about um, wanting to scaffold the experiences. So we're starting a little bit more in a com- you know, in an environment that's less less out in the middle of nowhere and then work our way up to the the overnight camping and I how I felt like that was so intentional and building that in. I remember you um processing with the girls the experiences that they were going through like a really hard canoe experience. I can't remember if it was windy or what, but like coming back together and and reflecting with them asking those questions to make it into not just a canoeing experience, but what does that mean for how they're showing up in life and showing up for each other? And, you know, it was like, I was shocked by your ability to turn these fun, you know, social activities of being out in a canoe into this like life changing moment and conversation and connection point for these girls. Um, And then yes, the overnight camping trip itself with the storms and the tents and the um, girls crying in the middle. Actually, what I remember most is waking up and there was like, I don't know, 10, 11 girls in one tent, one four person tent because they had gotten scared Uh of the storm overnight and all the tent to support one another. But again, like you processing with them about, about like how it's, leaning into one another, you know, during Mm. those scary points. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was incredible all around. And then to bring them back in the winter for reunion to being at Richardson Nature Center and like just how lovely they were and those smiles. And yeah, it was so, so many good memories of, of that time.
0: Wow. Hearing you say that was like a gift to me because I, I had forgotten, now that you're saying it, I remember the canoe. I remember the initial kickoff dinner. I'm still in touch with quite mm. a few of those families who so are cool. still close. And, But I had forgotten a lot of the, the details. Uh, my mind is kind of seared onto this one specific tiny little experience in the midst of all of that. And I'm glad that I asked what you remembered, frankly, because that just brought back just this rush of, no wonder I was so just alive Mm. and through that experience for something different. But all of that, all of the, the ways that I got to, I mean, even down to the food, three rivers helped pay for the food and the buses hours and hours on the bus. I mean, and that's what I love about, Minnesota. It was hard to break into the network, but I can tell once you're into the network, (laughs) this is a really loyal network Mm -hmm. that looks out for each other. And I just like so felt that with you throughout the structure of all of that. I forgot about how fun it was to meet and plan (laughs) things before. (laughs) This is making me excited. It makes me want to like plan something else with you, but I don't have any kids that I work (laughs) with now. Um, Thank you for sharing that. Let me, I'm going to pivot into the, the small moment that mm-hmm. had the impact on me. Although, gosh, now, now I'm thinking of all these others. So <laughs> let me, let me stick with, let me stick with what, um, what I've got. So, um, I just very brief kind of how I ended up here, grew up as a kid finding such safety and belonging in nature and feeling just so true and real to myself and with myself. And over the years, really sticking with that, even through the first bit of undergraduate. And then you know, some life stuff happened and kind of lost touch with it. it. It would occasionally, nature would find me, I would find it, I would mm. find myself. And it was cycles like this, all the way through moving out to the East Coast for uh, to go to school outside of Boston, and then really finding disconnection from nature. And it's the first time I'd ever been, like, Living in a home with with other homes or buildings on all four sides of me, there had always been one escape route into <laughs> you know a pasture or woods or whatever um so then when I came followed a partner to Minnesota, I was just really struggling to care about being here, like being here three rivers though I, there was an internship available, I applied for the internship, so three rivers helped me find me again and locate myself in Minnesota. So that alone already, I just, it, such a special place in my heart for Three Rivers and have been kind of a fanboy of it ever since <laughs> interning and being a seasonal there for a short period of time. But uh, so anyway, by the time we met, or by the time we were doing this in 2017, I'd been here for about three years. I've been working with youth throughout the duration of all of that time. But it was this was the first time that I had enough experience in outdoor settings and enough relationships with the families, um, because these were kids that we had, some we had tried to partner with the division of Indian. Mm-hmm. And so some were totally new to us. Some were kids that were in my year round programming and families, but all coming from pretty difficult backgrounds, trauma, homelessness, um, abuse. And we were intentional about wanting it to be crafted for kids like that. Um, so. Um here's, here's the moment. So, uh, and I'm going to just go back to my notes. <laughs> and yeah. I shared a calm moment after the horrendous thunderstorm <laughs> with a child who, whose name I, I don't remember. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't share here anyway, but she was maybe 11. She came from the partnership with the division of Indian work. So I didn't have any prior relationship with her. Uh, I knew that she had spent her life tossed around case managers and foster homes and in and out of various family members' homes. And although she was Native American, she was locked into a concrete pad of government housing squeezed between Highway 35 and bumper-to-bumper traffic on Cedar Avenue. Academically, she struggled. Emotionally, she struggled. And she was the oldest female in her home at the time carrying a lot of extra burdens kids shouldn't carry, but the oldest girls definitely always get the largest share of. And we were sitting together after the gear cleanup Mm -hmm. and everything was done. It was on the final that the morning after. And I just remember so clearly we were nestled in a row of sumac. They were ripe with red berries, mid August style. And she was just so relaxed. Even though this was not an easy night, as we both talked, the tree had fallen over the roads, even if the bus, even if we wanted the bus to come back and get us, we were there. We were in it. Uh, You know, some sleeping bags, all the chaos, so much squealing. There wasn't anything classically fun about it. Uh, But when we were sitting there together, she told me just how light she felt Mm -hmm. and how different life was for her in that. And how during that time, even in the storm, nothing else had ever been on her mind throughout it besides just the other kids. Cause she was one of the oldest kids there too. Uh, and she was just being a kid, being in the storm and surviving. It was an adventure. Um, but knowing she was going home, the weight of life that her brand of childhood brings was kind of starting to come back. And, you know, I had nothing helpful to tell her. I had no way to remove the weight. Um, but we had these sumac berries, and I'm probably going to get emotional during this mm-hmm. because this the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I actually <laughs> I saved a bunch of sumac from that tree, and I have it, it like it's still with me because you know they stay red forever it seems. Um, but we had sumac berries, mm-hmm. um, and we had a bench, and we had a good view of the lake. So without speaking, but together we nibbled sumac berries, we spit out the seeds in our shared silence, and we breathed. And I knew in that moment I was doing my life wrong unless I was doing more of this. Mm -hmm. This, I wasn't sure what that meant, (laughs) but I looked at the signs around me and the clues that I needed at that time for the next right step was, I was in nature. I was uniquely present with a kid that was different than the way that I had gotten to be in in other settings, even in the, the role that I was in then. And then there were kids, kids specifically who in the rest of their lives didn't have a reason to believe in themselves, and this moment was the tipping point into wherever it is that I am both going and am in right now. I, I'm not working with kids full time right now, and, and haven't been for years. But there's something about that moment that still was it. It tipped me into a new direction that. Ironically enough, has been super healing for me as an individual. I thought at that moment, uh, it's it's other people, it's other people, it's other people. And although my life has been shaped by working with other people, I don't think I would have experienced the like deep love I found for myself right now had I not had that everything that came up before that night, but especially that particular moment with that kid. So, if this podcast is about trying to trace. Gosh, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have pivoted and been here had this not happened. That couldn't have happened without you. I'm just now. I'd like to trace back and find <laughs> out how did you end up with me through the 2017 Girls Adventure Camp.
1: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sitting with that story right now. Oh, that, feel free to that to sit and let
0: it <laughs> just
1: beautiful. And I didn't know. I didn't know that particular moment of that Mm. trip as you were, were describing those pieces. I, I was remembering, um, my first moment of stepping into three rivers park on my first day of work as a seasonal outdoor recreation educator at that time. Um, I was coming off of a job in, in youth development where I, had loved it. And I had also like really gotten to an unhealthy place at the end of it of um, working way more hours than I should. And combining that with um, pursuing a master's at the same time and um, getting to a place where I couldn't get my heart rate to slow down. Like it it constantly felt like, I don't, I think I was 28 at the time. And I went on a weekend getaway with a few friends. And I like, this is my time, you know, to, to slow. We were out in the Porcupine mountains. We were going to go cross country skiing and downhill skiing. And there were like three dear friends. And I brought my journal along and, um, and even even then, like it took until I think day three before I felt my heart rate decrease. And I think the first day that I was there, one of those friends asked me how I was doing, and I I said I think I might have a heart attack at age twenty eight, uh, you know. And it was and like hearing my oh yeah, even now I was saying I was like oh, and that I don't you know it's hard to even name what was building all that stress like it certainly was like I said more more things trying to fit into a day and into a week and into a, a year than than could really fit like I remember at that time talking to my mom about, like I don't have any time to do laundry you know mm-hmm. like and just trying just trying to like get through each moment and um anyways
0: could I actually jump in yeah right there yeah um That so you're 28 and all of that's happening, but was this a pattern that that happened at earlier times in life? Are there other occasions in which you found yourself so wound like that? Not
1: like that, no. And I my natural state of being is pretty calm, is pretty even keel, is like in tune with my inner voice. And um being able to sit and be present with others. And, and I had found that I wasn't able to do that anymore. Um, and I knew that that was off, you know, that like I would meet someone for coffee who had a calm presence and it would take me a really long time to try to like match my rhythm with them. You know, I found myself trying to like, okay, like breathe in a similar pattern or like, you know, ground yourself. And I had showed up to one of my classrooms for that master's program and a woman that I didn't know, you know, it's like next to me to ask me how I was doing. And I made some comment like, oh, I'm good. I'm just, you know, trying to transition from getting here to being being here now in this space. And she goes, yeah, I feel that. And I was like, whoa, you know, I'm get, like this woman that I don't know can feel my frantic energy right now. Oh, I'm sitting. She, she can feel she felt. energy. Yes, yes, not that she oh. was like, Resonating, but she was asking me because she could feel that I was like anxious in a way, you know, that that I so no, I hadn't really experienced that before. But by the time I decided to leave that job, it had been I don't know, probably a year of that. It had been a year of of building up, you know, and thinking that I could just keep doing it and I was gonna get through and I was gonna get through. And then that trip that I was on was the the time when I realized like this is not healthy, this is not me. And as we were getting in the car to head back to Minneapolis, I started crying because I was like, I don't want to go back. Mm-hmm. You know, like it took me three days to yeah. to calm down. And um, and that's when I realized I had to leave that job. This is now circling back to your <laughs> question, because yeah. a friend in the car worked at three rivers and said, Hmm. we're hiring seasonally. If Hmm. you want to come do that while you, you know, while you figure things
0: out. And do you remember who that friend was?
1: Yeah. Heather, Heather Gordon. Is she still, um, yeah, she's, she's an outdoor recreation, uh, coordinator, I think is her role. Um, she was working with outdoor recreation school at that time too. Um, and, and it wasn't, and I think she knew it wasn't, that's not a leap for me to do that. She Mm -hmm. knew that I had spent summers working at a summer camp Mm -hmm. within that role. We would, we put on together. Oh, sorry. All those friends that I was with, I had previously worked with in the job that I was still in and we had put on, um, like a youth, youth leadership camp, really intensive Mm -hmm. outdoor experience, but, but thinking about, um, kind of equity and race relations and, you know, amidst that camp like experience. So it, it wasn't, out of my wheelhouse to be thinking about teaching outdoor skills or working. Why hadn't
0: you, why hadn't you applied at Three Rivers before that then? Sounds like you were, I I
1: I, I, never considered outdoor recreation as a, as a thing, as a field. I didn't really even know what Three Rivers was. I knew that Heather worked there, but I didn't have a, a concept of what that meant. Um, I think I still felt like it wasn't really a job. You know, like even though I knew Heather had a full-time job there, I was like, I don't
0: understand that as a career,
1: you know. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: if you if you try to get I mean, I completely relate to that because <laughs> when I, I came and saw like you can you can make like a living wage being a naturalist? What even is that? Yeah, yeah. So I, I remember that, but do you I'm curious if you could channel 28-year-old you, what's a real job? That's a good question.
1: I think it it probably felt like I needed to be more Um, wearing nicer clothes and I had to be, you know, in meetings and do, I don't, I don't, I had this dream at some point of, um, like wanting to, to travel the country and like facilitate workshops on experiential education and, um, you know, building students into leadership role like now thinking about that it's like oh, I I probably would hate that to be honest with that that's what I thought my dream was that like the real job meant traveling and it meant you know being influential and it meant um kind of being in this coaching I don't know role I even remember there was a moment in college where I remember seeing that there was classes in recreational leader leisure, leisure whatever it's called mm-hmm. And, and still thinking, like, well, that's kind of a joke. Like, I can't believe that that's a classic. Yeah.
0: You're making me feel much better about myself. Right? Because, yeah, I carried a lot.
1: Remember a lot of voices in my life saying, just pick something that you like, you know, mm. like get a degree in something, follow, you know, follow your interest. What do you like doing? And that will lead to some... And I've told so many young people that. And honestly, I think I, I still thought I did. Like, I chose English. <laughs> English, Because um, I wanted to read and like I liked writing. And I, at that point, thought I wanted to teach, you know. And um, so I was like, yeah, I'm doing the thing that I like. But I mean, that was, like, too much, like, you know, to be thinking about going mm-hmm. leisure and recreation. But I also don't think like I loved I loved that first job at Three Rivers. And that was the moment when I said like walking in um into work that first day and like being surrounded by trees and I like think
0: seeing
1: wild turkeys or something, yeah. you know, like across the through parking like floor to
0: ceiling windows no like you know? literally oh, in, the in the parking, parking lot. lot I
1: parked in the parking lot and I'm around the trees and I'm seeing whatever you know bird or animal is there and I could like instantly feel calmer and instantly feel and I think one of those first days two in those first weeks I was um, on a program where I was teaching fishing skills and you know dozens hundreds of kids or whatever were, were through this fishing skills and and i remember someone looking at me like are you okay you know like that was kind of intense all this fishing and i was like are you kidding me you know like that was so great that was i like endless patience for that kind of stuff you know because i was it was just like one-on-one we were outside and like cool yeah i can help you get your bait was,
0: was that new to have someone um look to you and see if you were okay on the job or is that something that you had gotten to experience in other job settings
1: No, I had experienced that in other job settings.
0: For me, Um, interning at Three Rivers was the first time on the job that someone looked at me and said, it's okay if this is too much, you can take a walk. Uh, Actually, but a sign in my workday, go take a walk and think. Mm -hmm. And checked on me at the end of every single day throughout my entire internship. Mm -hmm. I never experienced that before.
1: I would say, I mean, to that end, I definitely felt... I've had some really awesome supervisors and I've had, I've felt cared for as a person and I felt cared, you know, there was a shift in Three Rivers in, in not just someone asking me, but in like, but it being built into the culture. They're like, yeah, go to, like, take a walk, take your meeting outside, you know, or, um, and then I think that first, like, couple weeks on the job at five o'clock, I was leaving and the parking lot was, empty you know like ever there was some really clear boundaries you know between work day whatever the rest of your life is um versus coming from the nonprofit setting the place that i had been in there was like judgment and undercurrent of whisperings you know for whoever was leaving at five o'clock
0: yeah or mm-hmm.
1: no <laughs> dare you leave
0: earlier than that right. you know the, the um, badge of martyrdom yeah, nonprofit culture and also toxic. It, yeah, about.
1: it's so hard. I mean, like I, I think of that. I, I mean, I loved that job in many ways, but it, and I'm still like really dear friends with so many people that we worked with. Um, but it is. It was like twenty five people who thought they could change the world, all working together, all like putting our heart and soul into it. You know, in in a way that it's hard to sustain you know yeah. yeah so i don't know what what your original question i've gone in all sorts of different directions here but
0: i i mean i love it if anyone <laughs> is following this podcast is they're like i'm gonna get a coherent storyline <laughs> really predictable questions and turn it off right now i'm not <laughs> you're, you're the only audience for me and i'm the worst host for you um well we were i'll kind of bring us back to yeah. maybe where i I'd, I'd like to to hop into sure. um Take me to um, all the way back to St. Ben's. Um, mm. So, and and I don't know where St. Ben's is. I've never heard of that until the previous time sure. you said St. Ben's. So,
1: yeah, take yeah. Take me to
0: St. Ben's. Sure,
1: yeah. Um, so, I started my undergraduate. Degree at Saint Ben's. Saint Ben's Saint John's is in Collegeville, Minnesota, just outside
0: of Saint Cloud. This like, is so wild. I've never heard of Collegeville, Minnesota.
1: Tiny. Yeah, well, but in it the
0: last like Chinese. nine like, months, literally the school. Well, I hear it all the time now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I follow some. There's like some institute there that has a lot of yeah, online poetry mm-hmm. and workshops, and then my partner and I went there for a day. I mean, I've like never heard of this, and now it's coming up all the time. I it's guess insane. I'm supposed to go and spend with her. Awesome awesome. That's what's oh, happening. Okay. So it's in like college
1: now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, but it is like, just outside of St. Cloud, I think of that as more of like the city that people uh-huh. may be associated with, but and when it's in looking for colleges, I didn't even look at a school that had more than a couple thousand people in it. You know, I, my brother went to, um, Missoula, Montana. And when I went to visit him, he's two years older than me. And I was just,
0: terrified like Mm. so
1: big it felt so big to me and like i couldn't imagine trying to navigate that so when i was looking for schools i was looking for really small schools for whatever reason saint ben's is the one that i ended up choosing um and what what we were talking about a, a while back is like i was doing really well right like immediately had really good friends I'm still of the the semester I spent there, but I knew that it just wasn't quite feeling right. And I, I, I can't remember how all this went, but I was trying all sorts of things of, I decided like, I'm not really going to, I'm going to give this like a full go, you know, of, uh, is it just cause it's new or whatever? You know, so I was, I went on a, a weekend retreat with people that I didn't know, but to, to try some i think it was like a service retreat and i joined the rugby team and i was like making sure that i was being out and social and i liked my classes all those things but october came it was it was parents weekend and my parents came we went out to eat and they were asking me how it was going and i just started bawling you know and i think surprised myself honestly because i it was more of like a deep feeling you Know somewhere inside there, it's like something's not right here, even though externally all of these things seem fine. I'm liking my classes, I have these friends, I you know, it's those things are all seem fine, but I it just something about it didn't feel right and like the right choice, and it didn't feel like something I could fix. But at the same point in my mind, it was, but I'm here, you know, this is a school I chose, I'm here, so I have to stick it out and figure out how to make it work. Um, And my parents took a completely different attitude than that. You know, they were like, okay, let's, what, let's do something else then, you know, where let's think about where else you want to be. And, and I'm sure that they asked me those questions too. Like I said, I can't remember if I was trying all of those things, um, after that conversation or not, but I do remember very distinctly that they were saying like, it's not a failure to. To change your mind, you know, or to choose something else. Yeah,
0: when you mentioned that, when we were talking before this started, I just, my whole body completely resonates with when, when is quitting failure? Mm -hmm. Because I... We had also talked a little bit about strengths finders and you asked me, am I as achiever in there? And does it, did you, why did you ask me that?
1: I asked you that because the way that you were describing, and now I can't even remember if it was your job or your rest of like how you've turned your sabbatical into a 30 hour or 30, a 13 hour work day and all these things. (laughs) And I, that, I saw that in myself Mm. when I burned myself out of that job. So I've taken StrengthsFinder a couple times, and the first time I took it when I was working in that job, Achiever was my number one. Okay. Yeah. And I've now taken it several times, and Achiever doesn't show up in anymore in my top five.
0: How's that make you feel? So good. Yeah. Yeah. And like a badge, like the new badge from martyrdom. Too.
1: Yeah. It's it's a um, and I I oftentimes tell this story too. I'll say I was like I think, you know, with you, it part of it, it talks about like leaning into your strengths and all these things, but there is also, maybe not, I, there's also like this, the shadow side mm-hmm. of if you, if you go too far into that. And I, it was, it was a recognition of like, yeah, I went way too far yeah. into my achiever without, I, I'm debating whether I say without someone to check me or without me checking myself, you know, there wasn't. It was just like all the way leaning into that achieverness of, of what can I accomplish? And it, and it's way, way too far, way too much leaning in that. So now when that, when that doesn't show up, I think it's, it's been an intentional not feeding that, you know, like I know what it felt to get to that point where, where I was not healthy anymore, where I was not. Able to hear that inner voice or be present with other people in the way that I wanted to. And now I think I'm much more in tune to when I'm getting out of balance. Like even this weekend, for instance, I like for some reason I was so crabby. I was so crabby and I couldn't, and I was like, I felt like I was reacting to everything. And I said that to Mesa and my husband too, was just like, I don't know. I am. I'm so crabby though. And I need to go to yoga, you know, it's like, I, because I'm going to lash out and I know that I just need to reset, you know, Mm -hmm. and move some energy around. And it was, it was like that instant. um, I felt instantly better coming out. Not instant. It's an hour long. And I also, it's not a one-time fix, right? Like that was really good then. Mm -hmm. And even last night I could feel it's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to need more regular yoga. Not just like the one time every once in a while like that. Not having something that regular, um, that regular thing to reset to shift energy, you know, is can push me start pushing me in that direction of feeling anxious again. But now I know it. You know, I can recognize really early when it's like,
0: oh, it's starting to feel tight in my chest again, or like, oh, I'm really? Yeah. Crazy. There's there's nothing like a full somatic burnout. Yeah. But totally. yeah, I'll just, I want to briefly say, like, because I've been trying to figure out what, what is my thing about finders? Because I was even looking into it just last weekend, like, should I give this another try? But mm. yeah, all my top strengths in finder first off, I was so grateful that someone showed me strengths finder because I was like, what, I have strengths? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, I have strengths. That's great. Oh, I have strengths. I got to use my strengths. Mm. I only have meaning in the world unless I'm using these strengths and my strengths, they're still there, no matter what I do. My strengths are kind of the things that start to kill me, and so that, I think that's my hangup with strengths finders. Is it right. does help you identify your strengths, but it doesn't tell you why are those maybe red flags? Also, hmm. what 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 are some essential qualities that exist even when you're not showcasing your strengths? Um, but I won't get into that. And then we'll be down on any of them because that's of like Enneagram is the balance for all that for me. But I'm let me just kind of then come back to. So leaving as failure, like I really I grasped gra- mm. grasped onto that because, um, you know, in the last couple of years of my life, there's been there's been leaving things. I've left yeah, I've left a marriage and I've left a career and I've left another career. Yeah, um, and and I, in that moment of, wow, this something is wrong. Something is wrong, but trusting my inner voice, mm-hmm. especially when the outside world has given me so much validation and affirmation, mm-hmm. that you're on track to something.
1: Yeah,
0: so hard. Like, do you do you remember what that was like hearing that inner voice, or how did you please teach teach yeah. me the ways? How do, you, <laughs> how do you how do you hear and not just hear, but trust yeah. when really the source of validation and affirmation has to also come from your own other inner voice
1: yeah uh yeah i'm all of that's resonating um i well i that story of saint Ben's i don't i think it was the external voice it was my it was my parents you know s- telling me that that wasn't failure and then i I do also remember having moments so where I ended up going was the University of Minnesota, the opposite you know in terms totally of opposite. Of- oh, exactly what you thought you did um, yeah like uh. way bigger than missoula, but i and, I, and it took me way longer to feel grounded there and to build community there. And, you know, I, like, I think I was the end of my junior year where I really felt like I was making solid friends and that I had built a community there. But a month in, however long, I remember being on campus on, on like, the bridge, not the Washington County Bridge, but, like, just, just near there, near um, Kauffman, near campus. And it's a busy, it's a busy street. It's right kind of in the in the mall area. There's people all over the place. And I remember stopping on the top of that um, bridge and looking around, taking a deep breath, and being like, "This was this is the right choice for me," you know. And that's so beautiful. There was just some. That was two years. That moment. was two years in. No, that was like two weeks then. Oh,
0: that was two weeks
1: It then. was, or, or a month or, I, you know, okay. like I said, I didn't, I didn't find community. I didn't find my place there for several more years, but I knew it felt like yeah, this. And I think part of it was, I was like, I needed, I needed to be challenged. I needed to be in new environments. I needed to be in a diverse environment, you know, more so than, and I felt okay. like I was more being held or babysat or I don't know at <laughs> the smaller school. But I guess to your other question though about, about um feeling that quitting quitting is failing or not being I actually felt like I grappled with that more or like feeling that more internally in leaving that job. And um because I felt like almost opposite from what you're saying.
0: Are we now we're a few years in the future? Yeah,
1: afterwards. sorry. So no, okay. now we're okay. now we're 28 again. Okay. <laughs> um we're we decided to leave the job yeah. that I loved in yeah. youth development. Um right. where I was, I don't remember actually if this was part of our recording or not, when well, you asked me like what a professional job looked like to me at twenty eight, mm-hmm. and I thought it was, that was traveling and the no. you know, all of those okay. things. And so I I left a job where I in many ways had a lot of those things I had the travel. I had like the organization had some status and, you know, those pieces that felt real, um, real job, like in that sense. Um, and in doing so, I for sure at that point felt like everyone at that organization saw, saw me as failing or as not being able to handle it. And I felt that a little bit from other spheres of my life too of just like seeing I felt like people were looking at me like um like she didn't make it or or like I was fragile in a way Mm -hmm. now is
0: this is this the narrative that you've created for that or do you have some objective
1: that is a really
0: good question either way it still influenced you I'm just curious yeah
1: I don't know that I have data I think it was like how I perceived how people were asking me um Mm. how and 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 in telling my colleagues that I was leaving the like oh Amanda you know like a of like and trying to to pull me back and at the same time I had never felt so strong and I had never felt so in tune with my own sense of knowing you
0: know when did that strength start to enter uh if we're, if we're zooming in, yeah, zooming, zooming okay, in, zoom, zoom, zoom in. You're like, my body is falling apart. <laughs> I'm in a career that I thought I wanted. It's time to leave. Your people are either actually, uh, not feeling respectful by being respectful by your decision, or you've created Our a narrative and you're yeah. believing it. And now there's something about the strength around this inner decision. So wh- where are we?
1: I honestly, I think it was the moment. I realized I needed to leave Mm -hmm. feeling the weight leave, you know, I was like, Oh yeah. I do. You know, it was that Mm -hmm. awareness of it's making me feel super anxious to think about going back. And when I say it's time to let go, everything feels open and Mm -hmm. better. And there's a clarity there. There's an openness there. Um, And then, and, like really quickly thing, you know, like within moments that, that posed question of you could apply for a seasonal role was there and never had considered that, you know? And I also was writing a lot at that, at that point, not, um, not anything, (laughs) Not anything to be published. Like I was doing um The Artist's Way, if you're familiar with it. So song. I've
0: I've never followed the book, but um it keeps being recommended to mm-hmm. me and I've looked into it. It seems like it would. I mean, I'm we've, we've talked every anyone who knows me in real life knows that I am an avid mm-hmm. So it seems like it would be a good fit. Well, and you're
1: probably already doing a lot. I mean, that was the, one of the the exercises that she prompts you to do through this is is what she calls morning pages or like 20 minutes of brain dump mm-hmm. writing every day, mm-hmm. pencil to paper, just getting it out. Um, and that was a practice that I was doing a lot through that stage of feeling overwhelmed and out of body. It was like, I, if I look back in those pages, I'm sure I do see those. The, um, yeah, I have them. I'm sure like the themes and red flags would be so clear in looking at now, you know, of like the, the amount of, stress and lack of time that I'm sure was ever prevalent. All I could think about (laughs) as I did that brain dump, you know? Um,
0: now how did you find the artist way? Do you remember that?
1: Oh, I think it was a gift. Maybe I actually can't remember. I can't remember how it came to me, but I've since gifted it to a lot Mm. of other people when, when I've, feels like they're in this moment of discovery or being Mm. ready to listen. Cause I think for me, that was all about that was all about tuning into that inner voice.
0: Um, is that does writing still continue to be a way that you find yourself? Um,
1: sometimes I think it's, it's what I turn to when it's, when it's like ever present that I need Mm. to tune in a little bit more. Cause I think that now that there's multiple tools, that I, I mean, yoga is one of those writing is one of those being outside and taking a walk is one of those, you know, sometimes it's in conversation. Um, but if I'm really at a place where I don't, can't talk about it, it's not coming through all other ways. like, then it's, that's usually when I'll turn to writing is to see what, what comes up when I'm just
0: writing what's on the top of my mind, you know? Yeah. I, I know it doesn't work for everybody. I can't imagine how other people figure out the times in my life that I've looked back and been like, oh man, I made some really bad decisions. It's when I wasn't journaling right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think too, a lot of those those practices that I do, it's like when I get to a good, stable place where I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm doing great, right? Like, and then I'll let those things go like okay mm-hmm. i don't need writing right now yeah. or i don't need yoga right now go i'm ahead. in this really great place and inevitably that's when it starts to shift back and eventually i'll get to that point of like oh no actually <laughs> we really do need to yeah. make time for those things
0: so all right so you left that job you're you're seasonal at three <laughs> how did you stick uh, with it over those years?
1: well in fairness i only had to do it for two and a half years or so. I think it was a combination of, um, because I had burned myself out in a full-time role. I was also in a mental space where I didn't think I ever wanted another, didn't want to be tied to an organization in that way. <laughs> just so feeling that right yeah. way. <laughs> just like, I'm going to like create the things that I want to do that can like make a life out of it so that I'm not completely tied to one thing. And so, and I pretty early on in working in that seasonal role, I decided I was going to layer that with other things. You know, so during this the school year when I wasn't seasonally there, I was I started teaching leadership at the university. Oh, that's I right. It at shop I started teaching yoga and I started teaching like a more of an after-school program with with young girls. Um, so I was, I think I had five jobs at one point, technically, (laughs) but all in these little pockets and all that were like, that I chose that I loved, you know, that like gave me so much freedom and yeah. And like, I got to like frame how my day was going a little bit, you know, so ultimately that I, I thought that. I would never go back to a full-time job. You know, I was like, I was loving the, the piecing things together and Mm -hmm. creating the life I wanted, um, getting into my third season and full-time position opened up in community engagement. I didn't pay attention to it. I don't even know if it came my way or not. Um, but three different people sent it to me.
0: Do you remember? Um,
1: Yes. Well, Alex McKinney, who is the supervisor of outdoor recreation at the time, like mentor within the team of outdoor recreation. And I think Megan Kelsenberg, who is also um, working in outdoor recreation now is, um, I think her title is naturalist um, at Mississippi Gateway. But
0: yeah, they all... Is Patty Maher.
1: Mayor. Mayor, Mm Yeah. 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 So they all sent it to me and it was enough of a sign, (laughs) you know, like, okay, take a look at this at least. And I opened it up and read the job description and it was, it was one of those like, okay, yeah, this is, this is a coming together of all of these things in my life. You know, it was, it was the, the outdoor Connections and, but also more focused on equity and and thinking about that because that was something that I I was missing a little bit in the outdoor recreation role itself. I it was like I really loved it, and I didn't feel like it was fully clued into that that passion or of thinking about justice. You mm-hmm. know, which is more of where I've been in the nonprofit world, and so it was like I, I, it felt more like. This is fun, but am I making really the impact that I want to make? And that job description was like, oh yeah, this is maybe what
0: that could could be like. Uh, There's there's a connection piece that I know about from our pre-interview. Little little Amanda and Parents. (laughs)
1: Little Amanda. Um Yeah, well, I feel like being outside was a, a really regular of my life growing up and some of that is is in our small backyard you know we didn't have a big backyard we grew up in town but like i spent so much time sitting in our crab at Tree reading a book or like i remember my dad you know flooding our backyard one winter for to make an ice skating rink right there we had a sandbox and a basketball you know like all this I'm I'm saying a lot of things that makes it sounds really big. It's like, it's really not that big of a space, but we were out there all the time, or out, um, you know, out in the neighborhood. Um, but even more so, my my grandparents lived on a farm. Um, and we would spend so there like was kind of free rain whenever we went to visit, and then once a summer we'd usually spend a week camping. So my family and then aunt and uncle and and two cousins would would spend a week together camping. Um, and that was like, you know, those the formative, the best week of the summer every year was what, whatever that trip was, we'd always put our tent up, we'd try to find a spot near water, you know, and it'd be like climbing over rocks to try to to get over to the other side of the river or Um like whittling, you know, by the
0: stream or And so you said it was like one one week a year. It was one week a year. Yeah. A full week is a long time. That is true. Yeah. That is a long time. But if we look at like how many different occasions did it take, it was that one camping trip. Right. A year. Yeah. You know, when I think back to my childhood, I'm like, Yeah, we were always outdoors. I was learning survival from a young age. (laughs) Like my family went camping a handful of times. Yeah, right. That's kinda all I for me. That's All it took well, and we never did really
1: intend, you know, it's like it's always car camping, yeah. These are state it's parks, always, yeah, <laughs> there's, a, right? there's a concrete pad to put your right. car, and I still itself. like I've been working in outdoor rec now or in the outdoor ed world for almost 10 years, and I still like I've never been backpacking or like I've been to the Boundary Waters a couple times. That so makes me people, feel so
0: much better because most of the times like, people like, hear about my past, they're like, Oh, you've probably done like done the the whole inflation trail i'm like no i've never spent more than four nights sleeping outside in my life you don't have to you don't don't have have to to.
1: you don't have to and i think that's also like that's intimidating that's like an extreme that that for me too is like well i'm not an outdoor person you know i'm not that outdoorsy i don't know my stuff that i'm not certified in any sort of thing you know of like and i don't even really want to you know i don't Maybe someday I'll want to go, but that doesn't like have an appeal to me. I do want to be outside. Mm-hmm. I do love sleeping in a tent. Um, but I also like, you know, the easy access to things within that. I kind of, that's why I love some of our, like we do introductory camping programs too. Is like, yeah, but it's, you know, it's, that's the easy Easy route in. Your bathrooms and showers are right there. You okay. can walk right down to the beach, you know. But still, you're getting the benefits of being with your family, sitting around that campfire, cooking meals together, just being out in the fresh air. You know, it's um, yeah. No, I'm not at all. And I like for sure. I felt that initially at Three Rivers too. I was like, oh yeah, I'm not. I don't have that level of
0: of outdoorness <laughs> same same i would go to even to like to the naturalist association mm-hmm. uh, meetings and think oh i gotta i don't want people to see that i'm kinda, kinda, kind of kind of kind of spy here i don't i don't actually have like your depths of experience in the outdoors it's funny how it's it's so easy to eat for well for i let me speak from from my perspective i'll think about being what i'm going to call one step up in whatever field that i'm thinking mm-hmm. of. and then i get up to that one step and I look down and realize this step wasn't that big of a deal. Hmm. But then I immediately forget that because I look up and see one step ahead of me and think, no way could I ever do it. No way can I claim the expertise that they have. Not and when you're thinking
1: that of that step, is that like in terms of leadership or in terms of like, what is what, 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 is one, what are one of those steps that you're hmm. looking up to? I think it
0: totally depends on the setting, but leadership definitely plays a role. I think for me, it's a lot of, um, either when education or, and, or experiential life mm-hmm. wisdom come mm-hmm. into play. And I think there's a, some of that, there, that's a good balance to not say like, Oh yeah, I, I know enough about this because I have this little bit of experience, but I sometimes struggle with knowing when is when is enough knowledge enough knowledge? Mm. When is enough experience doing this enough experience to then claim ownership of what I'm gonna call expertise to the degree that then I can be of of assistance or service to someone else? Mm. And so that's where for me where it goes awry, where it can start maybe from like, yeah, th- that's that's good. Humility's good, but then when does humility become selfish and it's no longer humility it's selfishness it's for the way that i think of it is i need to know more i need to learn i need to amass more uh content knowledge Mm -hmm. into my brain soul Mm -hmm. instead of just saying i might mess this up might not know it entirely i might not be the best but i have enough that i can maybe be of service here that's what I've been exploring a lot recently, yeah,
1: like I don't know that's something something what that struck me, and I think it's why I have found it beneficial to be working in community engagement mm. rather than as an outdoor recreation specialist, you know, even like the title of I feel like in community engagement, I am not the expert, you know mm-hmm. it's like i'm I'm listening, being present, you know it's like about. Um, a little bit about like, what's the collective wisdom of the community in the, and, and it's also, I think that there's great value and need to not be the expert or, or at least to appear so, you know, uh, and because again, that can be an inti- intimidating. And, and sometimes you forget in that expert role, what it feels like to be a beginner or what it, you know, what are the little things that you might forget to communicate when you're just coming in fresh, you know, of, um, so, and I think that there's, there's like a deep value to not being the expert in a way, because it allows you to maybe to be more open to the needs of others and the interest in that space. And also to Kind of be navigating alongside folks, you know. Especially as you're talking about the work that you're doing, like our community engagement team will often say, "Nothing about us without us," you know. And like if you come in with the expert or as the Mm. expert, then you think you have all the answers and you're just gonna do it, you know. But
0: nothing about us without us. us. Mm -hmm. Where did that come
1: from? Well that is. That someone famous and wise said that,
0: that
1: I I am not gonna remember at the moment, but I'm not gonna claim to have made it up ourselves. That was that's like a an expression. Yeah. That, that
0: But we, is that kind of like a redundant message that your team is hearing and, and thinking about? Like
1: when does that come up?
0: When do you We you
1: talked know. about creating it as like a banner yeah. <laughs> to be in our office, just yeah. as that reminder, you know, of so it's it it comes up in in just more of like the spirit of how we're approaching work, that it's, it's like, we're creating alongside community.
0: Yeah. Who is the us in that? Or does it vary depending on the setting? Um, Is it the same in both phrases? Nothing about us without us.
1: Yeah. I think in the original phrasing of this, I'm a little worried that I'm like, who am I?
0: Oh, don't and worry about
1: home, it. I cannot, like, 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 um, this
0: isn't no one's judging. like the, the way that I've
1: interpreted that is uh-huh. it's like the community voice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Saying, We are the us. Don't go do something without us. <laughs> that, yeah. that are like informing the process
0: or being part oh, of it. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. You know, so I, we were talking about before this, I'm, I'm pivoting into doing workplace wellness and well-being. That's where my heart just so mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so carrying through the filter that is my ears, I was thinking of the us being like the actual heart and soul, the bodies of the people on your team. Doing
1: oh, uh uh-huh. So
0: so, the us being like you have to include our whole selves, oh in this. interesting, so I was immediately is a, it's a g- great time for me to have a memory of oh, see how your filters sure, your ears yeah. influence what you're hearing of other people, but that
1: but also that seems. True, too, right? I you agree, know, like, it seems yeah, true, like, too. Both, but I was both missing your, good, I was good missing good the Yeah,
0: I don't, I actually don't remember what I was talking about there. But yeah, I've totally lost my train of thought here. <laughs> well, we, were, we were talking about your parents. Oh, let me, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just drop, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna direct you where I want you to go because yeah. I have, I have something I, I want to hear about here. You mentioned the pre interview about your parents having this retreat center.
1: Right? Mm, mm-hmm.
0: And um, so, like, I, I know that they have a retreat center now mm-hmm. but when you mentioned they had the stream we was when you and i were talking about childhood. Mm. oh yeah so um, are you telling me that this retreat center that just opened up
1: <laughs> well the first one opened up uh 14 years ago something like that but yeah they this was their dream like coming out of college
0: was so 14 start. years ago was a long time for me because I'm only 41 yeah. of time in my
1: yeah. life. But but for them again. they tracked it as a 30 year dream.
0: Yep. Wow. Like it was 30 years. It was
1: um yeah, coming out of college with that dream of of starting a retreat center and and they did it when they were fifty-five, I think. Mm. Um but it was like I knew it was there was pieces of that that would come huh. up, you know, as they were constantly thinking about it.
0: And so um, why did that? Why or how mm-hmm. did the dreaming of this retreat center
1: mm-hmm.
0: influence who you became? Oh, interesting. Well, I feel if it, it didn't, you can no, like, it ho- no,
1: course. it absolutely did. It absolutely did. And I was just trying to think of like which which like storyline or wh- where where do I drop into this one? I, but I I think on it was is that like they had this deep seated dream and passion that took thirty years to get to in many ways. You know, that they and they've said that they like they couldn't have done it at twenty five at thirty when they were first thinking about you know, like all of these things. Cause I think when I approached them on that, you know, it's like, you you sacrificed in my mind, thirty years of your life to do these other things to then eventually get to do the thing that you love. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that is not the story that they believe, or mm-hmm. you know, it was more about no, all of those things happened to allow us to, to build the skills and the relationships and, you know, and to support our family and do all these things mm-hmm. so that yeah. when the time was right, we were there and ready for it, you know, but it was all these very disparate paths. You know, like you, I don't, in no way is this a like, well, this, though know, it's a very circular, similar conversation. Like we're having, you know, that my dad worked as however many years as a, like a water treatment chemist salesman, you know, of like, of like these very different things. And then ran some fitness centers for a while. And my mom worked in schools and then um, owned a yarn shop, like all of these things that, that are not a straight Path, but but the way that they tell it, this was there was this undercurrent dream, and there was these other things that they were enjoying along the way. You know that it was it was still maybe the place that they should be at each particular moment or year. Mm -hmm. That was then continuing to layer and layer and layer until the dream could come to life when it was when it was right.
0: Have you ever Um, read the book Range? Range: Why Generalists Triumph. In a Specialized World Ooh. by David Epstein. And as someone with the most random resume of experiences, this book is giving me just so much self-compassion. I'm actually listening to it. Plug mm-hmm. for the was, Hennepin County Library. I was
1: just thinking, it was listening like, this sounds to like it. a good
0: audiobook. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Um is. I'm one of the people that you have to wait in line to get. Sure, yeah. But essentially what he's what he's looking at is is how we we kind of we as in people who think the best way to do something is to go all in on that singular path. Mm-hmm. And really he, he gives just ex, uh example after example after example of people who have hodgepodge backgrounds, hodgepodge interests who become experts and and really just it, not just experts in their field, but they're happy and they're healthy and mm-hmm. they feel whole and they do remarkable things and they attribute it to following what they were curious about and what gives them them joy and yeah. and you've m- mentioned here and i and I hear it come up a couple of times too of like people encouraging you to. Do what feels good. Do what feels yeah. good. Follow your heart. I'm so disbelieving of my heart all these years. I'm like, heart, you got bad plans. These are bad ideas. That's gonna. You're never gonna have a full time. You're never gonna be able to have retirement. And man, the, the more I lean into just purely, what gives me joy? Because I shared with you a, this yeah. thousand day quest. Yeah. Thing, and yeah. The one that just ended November sixth, twenty twenty three, or November eighth, twenty twenty three. Was what if that was? What happens if I just notice what gives me joy? Mm. where do i end up who do i become yeah it's not the way that most college counselors uh, or that the degree programs or the education system is really set up which for me is another reason why i love experiential education and outdoors because it it leaves room for curiosity and and exploration
1: yeah and it's I don't. Yeah. I think now I've been telling myself that for so long or telling people that for so long that it feels so obviously the right thing to do to me. You know, like, yeah, follow your joy. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's very counterintuitive to Mm -hmm. a lot of the narratives that are built up around us or that we hear from childhood. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's hard to trust That you can follow your joy and
0: survive, thrive,
1: make a life out of it, you know, and
0: Mm -hmm. be an adult in it. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's, so stewardship is one of my core values Mm. and and I see stewardship as how I steward my time, my financial resources, my everything. And so then sometimes I can get caught in the that aligns with this core value of stewardship. It's responsible planning. Mm. But sometimes, I mean... at least recently in the last, especially in the last five months when I've been making some very uh, seemingly irresponsible decisions, like leaving my career for one, uh, right when I'm trying to plan a wedding, which you should know, we did actually, I looked into your parents' retreat center for that, oh. <laughs> to be like, what, what would that be like? Wouldn't that be a cool way to bring it back around? But we decided we wanted the camp. I know, love it, yeah. But, um, but responsibility for me, meant i have to be responsible to my soul Mm. there's i'm still being a good steward but i can steward my resources all day long Mm -hmm. if i'm not stewarding my soul and so that's like trying to like really double click on what who am i being responsible to right Mm -hmm. now am i being responsible to this like dream of like oh my retirement I talk about a retirement account as if, I, as if I even have, I don't have one. I don't know, whatever 401ks I have, all these different jobs that one day I'm supposed to merge together. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, send help. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, some one day I'm going to figure out a retirement plan and then I'm going to, and then after that's all accomplished, mm-hmm. then I can worry about my soul. Hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, just uh, like that feels, I don't know, like my hand goes to my chest and just feels so tight thinking about that being the route you know of then you think about your soul i do i as you're saying some somewhere in this when i when i left that job and there was i'm realizing there was definitely moments where i was stressed about the being able to make a life of the layering of things you know and and i remember my dad saying something to me um you know, like, yes, there was a lot of security in what you were in. He said it in a way that was really wise, and I'm not it's not, but I was like, how I interpreted what he said, it was like, but you know, the most secure place you can be is in prison, you know, in like time, <laughs> oh, right? Whoa! Right? Whoa. I mean, like, like, what's <laughs> the opposite of that, you know? Mic drop.
0: wow. Like- <laughs> um,
1: so I, I, yeah, with that, that moment too, it, it did... It hit me hard, too, of thinking but there was I feeling like I needed that security or like letting go of that security where it, like input in that sense of a metaphor, it was like, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, I don't want that. And that did feel in many ways mm. like I was stuck there, okay. you know, so being able to break out of that and mm. create a life of your own or.
0: Yeah, I know I could keep talking to you forever because it's like half the reason why I was like, let <laughs> me, I have a reason to get a new scholarship for a group of kids and so I can talk to Amanda. But I think, oh my gosh, the most secure place you can be is in prison, whether or not it's a direct quote or not. It's, it's, I'd like us to kind of come to a closure <laughs> now because, you know, sitting with, with that, that little girl with the suma, mm. it was, there was a piece of me that was like, I'm as trapped as she is Mm -hmm. in, in something. Yeah. And I didn't know that what I was trapped in was kind of myself. Um, and there were some outside factors, of course, but, but I wasn't prioritizing my soul Mm -hmm. and I was as trapped as away from my soul as she was trapped into the life that she had been issued. Mm -hmm. And we were also there in that moment. We were both free. And and it was that my soul was free, mm. and in that moment, freedom was expansive because my soul was free in that moment. No, granted, I kind of we didn't actually finally get to. Then, how did you trust me as a partner mm. to do go into community engagement? But you're let's just if it's okay with you, settle with you're in you're at a, you got the seat at the table. You're making decisions. Mm. You did what it took to secure that seat at the table. Over those years, and because of that seat, you you created all these opportunities for those kids. And when I say I'm still in touch with the families, there's a mom who I was just texting yesterday. <laughs> so uh, cool! And we're still in touch. Yeah. And and I know that the good is continuing to ripple down intergenerationally, just in that family alone. That you had such you you had when people have seats at the table, it's potent. You can use it unconsciously or you can use it consciously, but the power is there. And um, so I'm so grateful that you went out on a limb, had that meeting with me. um, And cause some of my ideas are kind of wild. I'll be honest. Like I'm kind of looking for someone who's into like a little bit of an eccentric thing. And you, you did for me, what you said that you are usually able to do for people is just like, Be really present and listen and not have an agenda, not come across as like, I know more than you. It really, from the beginning, everything about the way that your energy set the scene felt like, yeah, we can be teammates on this. Mm -hmm. We can plan this. So if I, then I'm looking back at how did you and I meet? Well, we met through Judy McDowell. So this is now, this like series of like, I'm generations forward are impacted by all these people that I'm about to name and then some. So you and I met because of Judy McDowell. I know Judy McDowell only because the person who structured my internship program at Richardson Nature Center said, you should meet Judy McDowell and gave me paid time to go meet her Hmm. during the day. Judy McDowell somehow was involved in developing the community engagement department, which you wouldn't have found were it not for uh, let's see if I got this right. Alex McKinnon, McKinney. Jesse Esquardo, mm-hmm. Megan Kel- Kelsenberg. Kelsenberg. Mm-hmm. And they told you about the job, but you wouldn't have even been in their sphere had Heather Gordon not said, hey, we, mm-hmm. we might have an opportunity for you. But you might not have been able to receive or be ready to accept that from heather had somebody whoever this unnamed person is given you the artist way but then not to mention you had these parents who didn't force their idea of success on you mm. and allowed you to continue to become whoever you were becoming even at the what was probably a financial loss of you're in a oh, yeah. private college and that's okay let's let's switch gears so then whoever influenced your parents to help them become parents like that. Um, And in this through line of a 30 year dream unfolding, and that's, so this is something that, um, that I I like to do with with my partner, Chelsea, sometimes, is uh, because we're we're big planners. So we're always looking at the future. And sometimes I've found it's really important to just pause, look at today Mm -hmm. and notice, is there anything today that is actually the future unfolded Ooh. that a long time ago, I dreamed this would happen. <laughs> so what is, un- what is the unfolded future for you today? Are
1: you asking me that question? I am
0: asking you that question.
1: This is not a direct answer to your question. Just a reaction of, as you're talking about being a planner and I, I find myself being the so opposite. I have such a hard time thinking about long-term future because I have no idea what it's what's what the reality is going to be like in that moment and so I tend to think more about what is right right now and can I dance in this moment
0: mm.
1: and and like knowing that where I'm at is the right place and where I will be you know might be different mm. than what I can imagine right now I sh- for sure printed in short bursts and for different things you know but I could never been able to make like a five-year plan Um. I'm dancing in a really intimacy balance in some ways of, uh, raising and trying to be present and play with two young boys, uh, almost two and almost six-year-old, um, trying to show up and be present and quality time and a marriage with Lisa and dancing in a job that I still love, um but is in many ways very different than when i met you eight nine years ago and when we did that that girl's adventure camp like now the way that you were describing i was like yeah i probably like couldn't do that in the same way now um our team might be able to you know but just like Mm -hmm. but dancing in the like the evolution of that that role too and and dancing i mean like i referenced this before like the the finding the moments for yoga or writing or whatever like Dancing in that space of like really trying to be intentional about carving out time for me amidst it all, trying not to c- go crazy with my house. Like like <laughs> it, I've, I've been in this year of like all of this stuff, these piles of things drive me crazy. And I've spent a year of trying to get rid of so much of like decluttering physical space in a place of trying to create more emotional space and a, a more... Um, ability to to be like I when I when I'm at home and I'm saying that I'm trying to be and play with my boys like so oftentimes I feel like I kind of am doing that but I'm mostly like picking up all Mm -hmm. around you know and like trying to create Mm -hmm. order in the house and feeling anxious about that and kind of getting crabby when I'm playing because I want to be getting things done, you know? And so like, as much as I resist the achiever sense, there's also so much of like, okay, that's clearly still a part of who I am trying to get to the space where the physical space is able to do that more, more simply, you know, so that I can just be a little bit more um, is where we're dancing.
0: I, well, I'd love to read a poem to mm. you yeah. that I Um, is written by someone who I never would have been exposed to had Patty Mayer from Three Rivers Mm -hmm. not told me about the the Beatles program in California and so this is one of the people who is a part of the Beatles Institute Uh, her name is Emily Liker, and she wrote this poem called For the Students I've never once successfully read it all the way through without crying so we'll (laughs) see for the students. Sometimes we sit in circles with these questions. What are you afraid of? Who are your heroes and why? What are you doing your free time that really makes you free? My students answer, I have no free time. It is all full of homework. Then I take care of my little sister. My hero is my brother because he walks me home so the bullies don't get me. Sometimes I am afraid my mother will work so hard she will die. They are ten, maybe eleven. I cannot follow them home and fix it so their parents can stop leaving. Take their books and burdens for an hour a day so they can go be children again. I can listen when they speak. I can turn their heads towards the sunrise, then to the dragonflies hatching by the creek. I can hold their packs while they run shouting towards the ocean they have never seen. I can dump the watering can on their heads on the hottest day of the year. I can honor their courage and their joy. I cannot always change the world they are living into, but I can change the world we both live in for the tremor of a moment, the same way we all can for one another, the small smile or knowing sigh and the fierce act of living in the world with an open heart. <laughs> so good. That, yeah. I might as well promote while I'm at it, because this is this is a book of numerous other poems by her. It's called What We Were Born For.
1: Ooh. It's good
0: what change. We Were Born For. Um Yeah. And I'll I'll put the link below that in the podcast episode. And yeah, that I read that poem. I just so many memories of especially my girls adventure camp you know that driving the bus driving those girls home every day oh my gosh so many hours but i would sit and i would listen to their stories these little kids and and the reason it took so long is because these are highly mobile families Mm -hmm. so throughout the, the week the parents may be living in a different hotel um and hearing the stories that the kids would tell each other about how do you how do you pack your things when you leave where do you keep your stuff do you have a bed um these are the, this is the weight they're carrying. Oh, You going to get emotional. Yeah. Okay. Any final thank yous?
1: Uh, mostly at the moment, I'm feeling thankful for you mm. and um, for asking me to be part of this conversation, for reaching out in the first place to name me as someone who was is, who is part of a a turning point or an inspirational moment in your life. Like even that message, when you sent it to me, I was like, what? You did that for me. (laughs) I was like, so I, I'm that whole girls adventure camp. Like in my mind, that is, that is like James. Like that is your heart of, of you bringing that to life. Like I could think of finding the resources and helping to write the grant and figuring out the, like the spaces within three rivers to make it happen. But you were the heart of that a hundred percent. So thank you for that partnership there, but also this conversation and connection and all, I mean, for sure, all of the people you named, but I think probably, yeah, my, my parents are that, that through line and constant inspiration and their own story and the, the ways that they've allowed me to evolve into who I am all along the way and to support who I am all along the way. Um, and to Mason, who shows up as a partner, I think even at that girl's adventure
0: oh, camp yeah. and like, Oh yeah. Um, so, but somebody was cooking so many pancakes yeah. and sausages and eggs.
1: Like the making of the food stresses me out
0: to no end,
1: but Mason will come and do that. And that's how he shows love, you know, as, is through food and I feel like so much about community building is food <laughs> and sitting together and and like the amount of times that he's physically cooked for an engagement of a community you know is is one thing but then just the just the support you know emotionally and and the venting partner and the brainstorm partner and um um being able to allow each other time um to take the kids on our own so that the other person co- can go get out of the crabby zone or whatever it is is too so probably could go on and on but for the moment you my parents and mason oh, <laughs> oh thank you thank you
0: um if there was uh if there was someone either named here or someone who you just named who you were like oh you should reach out to this person mm-hmm. this would be a long list show. for you probably- <laughs> yeah. Any, anyone in this in this web or of, of connection points or someone who might be a connection point to us in some way that you think
1: um i wonder if you know um poppy potter
0: is one that i wonder poppy you know, potter or maybe we've oh, talked about that's it. It, that's it that's yeah <laughs> i've been trying to figure out how did i know poppy poppy shaped the way i designed my yeah. programs
1: well and she's on a cool
0: Life path now too. She of is. Just we're in touch. Left. We keep we're, we we keep uh, like kind of kicking this yeah. meet up for coffee down. Yeah. Oh yeah, like doing it for months now. The two of you should definitely. But this has been so fun, mm, so fun. Yeah, I'm probably remiss in doing a big thank you to people at Three Rivers. So even if you didn't name them, stay yeah. in that place of gratitude for yeah. as long as you can. Yeah, um, because it's that is such a wonderful place to be. I think that's how good gets unfolded into the world mm-hmm. is because if you start with gratitude, you start noticing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Then there was this person, there was this person, and then this was and lifetimes of people who became the people who those people became. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you for well, <laughs> this conversation. Oh, it's great. been wonderful. So this is my final note on the three rivers park district because I am just the biggest, the biggest fan Um, Thank you to the Three Rivers Park District and for the the donors who help um, allow that to happen as well. And thank you to the Community Engagement Department for having a mobile van that can bring everything from animal skulls to poetry to puppets to bicycles to wherever people are in the metro area. Um, I just want to say that I can personally vouch for the fact that the educators are trauma-informed and culturally sensitive and healing-centered in the way that you approach your outreach and your programming. Uh, I've partnered with Three Rivers on the floss count of how many different projects, Um, but they're not just caring for the watershed district that impacts the Mississippi River headwaters, but they're really helping others learn how to be in nature. Be themselves in nature and love nature as well as love themselves Mm. and not just white bodies middle and upper class people three rivers is just tumbling down as many barriers to nature and to self-belief as is possible along the way and uh amanda i think you're you're a huge part of that you're you're how they're able to you know make that fundraising dollar count um so if anyone listening is, is getting their, their juices or feeling fizzy and jazzed about outdoor <laughs> nature, then uh, I have put links below. Um, you can go straight to the donor page. Marginal differences like small donations make massive swings for people who are marginalized by society. Thank you to my creative friend, Ian Crawford, who composed the music that I use for this show. Support his dream by visiting his Bandcamp page. It's linked in the show notes. As with all episodes I produce here, my aim is to help you fall into a state of gratitude for others and into a firmer belief in yourself. But perhaps something I said or neglected to say caused you unintentional harm. And if so, please help me learn from that mistake. And likewise, if this show did succeed in moving you to gratitude or encouraging you to give that dream a shot, let me know. You can comment here or you can shoot me an email at tracinginspirationpodcast at gmail.com. Be well and remember, Even if the rest of this day feels like a complete mess, you being in the world matters. Stay with us. We need you.